This is a production of the Z-Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z-Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Hello and welcome to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at uh, ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor online. And uh, all this week, pretty much all this week, I've been visited by my my good friend, Mr. Pessimism. Oh, or Mr. Pessimist, depending on what, how he feels that particular day. Uh, it He arrived on Tuesday morning. Tuesday morning he showed up, and he said, uh, well, this is what happened. You see, each morning during the week, uh, before I go to work, I do all my stuff that I need to do before work, you know, dress, have some breakfast, brush my teeth, you know, that stuff. And I, I put the morning news on, and I was watching that, and I just keep an eye on the weather. I want to see what, what's coming up that day. And uh, sometimes I like to see the seven-day outlook. I like to see what's, what's coming up. Because sometimes there's, oh, I don't know, there's an event that is going to be happening. Say I might be going to see a ball game. And we have an outdoor ballpark now and have for the last few years. And it's, you'd like to see that it's not going to be raining when you go to the game. That kind of thing. Or there's a picnic for the family. Or there's something that's happening outdoors and you just don't want it to be raining. Well, <clears throat> we had we have something else that's coming up. You see, on Monday, uh, this coming Monday, uh, August 21st, will be Eclipse Day here in the United States. Uh, the, we will be having a total uh, solar eclipse for those on the path. Yeah, for here in the Twin Cities, we'll get about 80, I think it's 84 to 86% of it. I think it's around that range. So it's not, we're not going to get total, but we'll get, we'll get that much, which will be pretty cool. Not as cool as total, not as life-changing as total. That's what I've been hearing. I, After my show, if you hang around on Saturday nights and, and keep listening to ZTalk Radio, you'll hear uh, Big Picture Science. There's actually two episodes of Big, Pic- Big Picture Science that will play after this show. And uh, a couple weeks ago, they had an episode about the eclipse, and they spoke to a fellow who saw one years ago. He's, a, he's an astronomer or something. He's a scientist of some sort. And he saw one years and years and years ago, and he just was just blown away by it, and it changed his life, and it made you know it made life worth living, or whatever, whatever superlatives you want to throw on it. But he he has since seen 65 total eclipses. He travels the world to go find them. I think I'm not absolutely certain, but I think I'm right in this, in that 
Well, most eclipses take place over the oceans uh, because the Earth is mostly covered with water, oceans. So odds are that when a solar eclipse is going to take place, it's going to take place over the oceans. Again, I'm not certain on this, but I think it's it's something on the lines of... it. They do happen fairly frequently, like every year and a half or something like that. But, as I said, most of the time they happen over the oceans. And I think... And, uh, that they they have there are there are cruises that will take you out to see the total eclipses. I believe that there are. Oh, I'll check when I check my show notes and uh, and and I'll make sure. And if I'm wrong, I'll correct myself next week. But um, anyway, so there are people that that follow these things around. They get themselves to the parts of the world where they're going to be able to see it. Well, this year we've got one coming right through the United States. It's going to. It's the, it's going to start over there on the west coast. It's going to come in in uh, Oregon. That's where the totality will be able to see it, and that path will cut will cut across the center of the United States, and it'll go out in the I think it's the northeast corner or so of uh, North Carolina. I'm pretty sure it's that. So that's that swath is going to get there. So if you're if you're within a certain distance of that you're going to get the totality and a couple of things uh one is that that uh you really and this might be too late because i'm by the time this thing posts it'll be uh after midnight on saturday uh it'll probably be too late if you haven't put this into motion because um uh i saw evan bernstein he's a member of the Skeptic's Guide to the Universe podcast, and he put up a video on social media saying to people, that if you're going to head to those parts of the country where you can be able to see the total eclipse, you want to make sure you give yourself a lot of time to get there. What he's doing now, he lives out in Connecticut on the East Coast. He's going out to Oregon, so he's going to fly out there, and then he said, uh, from where he's, when he lands out there in Oregon, to where he's going to go to observe the eclipse, he said, normally it's about a four and a half hour drive. He's giving himself a little more time than that. He's given himself 48 hours, two days to make it. Because he's anticipating lots of people on the road, lots of chaos, people pouring into small towns and areas of the, of the country that just aren't built for a lot of people to come pouring in. So it's going to be, uh, it could be interesting. Uh, I'm not going anywhere because i got to work. And uh, so, anyway, so that's one thing. And uh, the other thing, oh, right, as I was saying, Mr. Pessimism showed up Tuesday morning. I was watching the, uh, watching the weather. And I looked at the seven-day outlook See, the seven-day outlook. This was Tuesday morning. So they're showing the next seven days from the Wednesday after to the, to the next Tuesday. And what do I see? I see Sunday. Now remember, the eclipse is taking place on Monday. Sunday 
the you know the the seven day look it has seven little squares or rectangles with uh, with a graphic in there either a, just the sun or some with some clouds or clouds so clouds with raindrops raindrops and thunder you know lightning strikes uh, you know it just depends you know whatever the weather is expected a, a graphic representation of the weather for that day the high and low temperature that's expected and that's what they give so I'm looking at this thing so Sunday it shows what, what I think reads as partly sunny uh, or partly cloudy. It depends. Uh, partly sunny means there's more clouds than sun. Partly cloudy means there's more sun than clouds. So they show the sun with a couple of clouds. And then Tuesday, the day after eclipse day, same graphic. Sun with two puffy little clouds. But Monday, rain clouds. Well, they have a little graphic showing you the, the eclipse, but included with that rain clouds so that immediately immediately mr pessimism turned to me and said it's going to be cloudy you're not going to see shit you're not going to see anything it's not going to happen and then of course i believe him you know i don't doubt mr pessimism when he tells me something he's not always right but I just, I, at that moment, I knew, that's it. Okay, we're screwed. We're not going to get to see it. I did mention this on Facebook. <laughs> I put it out there saying, you know, hashtag preparing to be disappointed. And then it, it just, I just, that's, that's my nature. I just looked at that and went, that's it. Forget it. We're not going to see anything. I had a friend. Well, he's still a friend. But he said to me, he said, you know, relax, young fella, which is strange because he's younger than me. He says, relax. You know those seven-day outlooks aren't very accurate toward the end of them. You know that weather forecasting can only be pretty accurate about 72 hours into the future. You know, they're predictions 72 hours ahead, or their forecasts. Uh, beyond that, it just starts to get to be iffy. And especially at the six and seven day reach, then you know, they could change. You got no, you, you shouldn't be so freaked out right now. Don't worry about it. And I said, hey, Mr. Pessimism says it's going to be cloudy. And we're not going to see anything. This friend of mine, you know, he lives here in the Twin Cities too. So I said, we're not going to see anything. Okay. But I thought, all right, all right, I'll try not to be too. Uh, too much of a taking heed from Mr. Pessimism. I'll, I'll say, okay, I'll relax and just see what the weather report says tomorrow. Wednesday morning shows the seven-day outlook. Monday, raining, clouds, still there. I go online at work. I look up the 10-day the outlook on the Weather Channel website, and it shows Monday, cloudy, at one point, it was 50% chance of rain. And then on Thursday, it said 60% chance of rain, which I commented on, on Facebook. I said, you know, the Weather Channel says 60% chance of rain on, on, on Monday, which means 100% chance of not seeing the eclipse. And I know, I know. Mr. Pessimism is telling me. You know, so I look at that and I go, okay. It's not changing. 
It's not, they're not pushing back as, oh, well, it's going to be the next day that's going to be cloudy. No, no, it's still, it's anchored to Monday. Thursday night, I watched the nightly news, and the weather guy says, as he looks at the outlook, he says, it's looking like it's going to be a cloudy day on Eclipse Day. I'm not sure that's how he said, he said Eclipse Day, but that's what I'm calling it. It looks like it's going to be a cloudy day for Iowa, Illinois, Wisconsin, and Minnesota. And I live in Minnesota. And it's great. And the Outlook graphic shows rain. Weather Channel saying scattered thunderstorms or thundershowers. You know. well, it's great. That's, that's great. We're still not going to see anything. But hey, we're still outside the 72 hours a little bit later in that evening I flipped around the channels and we we get a you know on broadcast TV we get a free weather channel thing I don't know if it's the weather channel but we, we get one and it'll have some of the local uh, people uh, uh, weather people on there as well as national weather people and <clears throat> I flipped around and I saw that was that same night and I see a different weather person saying yeah looks like it's gonna be cloudy on Monday she did say that maybe we'll get a peak. Maybe we'll get a peak. This was Thursday night. Friday morning, this morning, I watched the, uh, the weather report. And a third weather person says, Yeah, it's probably going to be cloudy. Probably not going to get to see anything. So, you know, what's, so you know, at that point, I'm thinking, Mr. Pessimism sitting there saying, look, see, huh, see, huh, look, see, it's getting, we're still not, we're still not at the 72-hour range, but we're getting, things aren't changing, are they, are they? No, see, huh, see? <clears throat> well, things did change a little bit. Now, I'm, I'm talking to you on, uh, I'm recording this on a Friday night, so it's Friday the, the 18th. We're still not in that 72-hour range quite yet, but we're close. Aren't we close to Saturday, Sunday, Monday? We're, we're, we're almost there. And uh, there has been a change. And, uh, um, and that is, <clears throat> Tuesday is now looking like it'll be, instead of partly sunny, it's looking like it'll be rainy. Monday, still rainy. That hasn't changed. It's now Tuesday that's different, too. You know, Tuesday looks like it's going to rain. So, wow. Yeah, I, I'm telling you, you know, don't doubt Mr. Skepticism. Or skepticism, Mr. Pessimism. Mr. Skepticism, he's different. But Mr. Pessimism, don't doubt him. Don't. And that got me thinking about uh, pessimism. Uh, you know, oh, before I go off on that, I really do hope that those of you who are making the trip, I mean, because at least I don't have to go anywhere to not see the, the eclipse. Because what we're going to get is it's just going to get a little darker. That's what it's going to be. You know, I don't have to go anywhere. But I, I really, really hope that everybody who's heading somewhere to go see this, the totality to find that range that fights through all the traffic, that booked hotel rooms months in advance, that saved their pennies, put things together, got the kids in the in the vehicle and you know rented an RV or whatever, and head down to Omaha, Nebraska, or somewhere in Kansas, or out in Oregon, or in North Carolina, wherever wherever they're going to head to see this thing. 
I really hope that once you get there, once you've gone through it all, you do get to see it and that it's not raining. I really hope. <laughs> I do. Because I'd hate to have you go through all that and then show up and just say, Great. It's cloudy. That's great. Well, it's dark. <laughs> the birds are freaking out a little bit, but gee whiz. Would have been nice to see it. Thanks, God. Well, oh, that's right. What am I saying? <laughs> I blame Obama, right? Is that who we're supposed to be blaming? Or has that changed? Uh, anyway, about the pessimism thing. Now, it's not necessarily a bad way to view life, to view it pessimistically. I mean, I, I'm telling you, I do. <laughs> I see it a lot of times. I just get, I get it. And I'm not right most of the time, or, or I'm not sure if it's, I should say most of the time, but I'm not always right. Mr. Skep uh, pessimism gets it you know, wrong, which is, which is great, because when he gets it wrong, see, I was prepared. See, it's, it's a worldview or a life view very, very, very much like you know, hope for the best and prepare for the worst. It really is. It's very much like that, well, except it doesn't have the hope for the best part. Otherwise, it's very much like that way of looking at things. It's expect the worst and prepare for the worst. That's what, that's what it is. So, uh, I, <clears throat> if you are a pessimist and you're expecting the worst to happen and you're prepared, okay, I'm not going to get to see the eclipse. It's, gonna, you know, it's just going to get dark. It's, it'll be cool enough, but won't be able to use my eclipse glasses to look at it. And, you know, it's just, okay, well, great. You know, great. But, you know, at least I'm prepared. But if, in fact, for some reason, the clouds part over the Twin Cities, over where I work, and I do get to look at the sun, and I do get to use the eclipse glasses, and I do get to see it happen, I will be that much more elated. All right! It actually happened. You see what I mean? Because I was already prepared for it not to happen. If it doesn't happen, well, I was prepared. But if it does, it's just a little bit more, yeah! But the only thing is, though, the pessimistic view, you're in danger of the self-fulfilling prophecy kind of thing. If it's something where you can affect the outcome and you're expecting it to be bad, you can, your behavior could have you doing things that would facilitate a bad outcome. So that's, that's, that is a drawback of the pessimistic worldview. But in the case of this eclipse, if it turns out that Mr. Pessimism is wrong, well, that'd be great. <laughs> so, uh, but, but I looked at the the chart of the following, um, uh, the next uh, total solar eclipses that are coming uh, that will head across the states, uh, the United States, and we don't have to wait too long for the next one. The next one, uh, which will enter the country. Uh, through Mexico, come up into southern Texas, and it'll head across to the to New England, and it'll go out of the United States f through Maine. So that's there's a band through that stretch, that that you know within that you will see totality. We'll probably here in Minnesota, I'm guessing, we'll probably get about the same percentage. We'll get a we'll get a partial. We won't get the full thing, and that is only seven years away. It's in April of of uh, 2024. So it's possible 
we'll get another chance. You know, well, we will get another chance. I'm not saying it's possible. It's, it, we will get another chance. It's funny how nobody questions the solar eclipses, the science of solar eclipses. Oh, sure, you know, the news has uh, somebody on to debate uh, the, the climate scientists saying that global climate change is happening and humans are largely responsible for what's going on and we need to make changes in order to combat it. They'll have somebody debate the other side, but there's nobody debating with the, with the eclipse guys because it's going to happen. <laughs> Isn't it interesting? So <clears throat> then, but, 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 there's another eclipse that will come and come through the United States, and it will practically go directly over the Twin Cities. This one will come in through, um, through Canada, through uh, right, uh, north of Vancouver, and it'll come across... The, uh, the border into the states in, in South Dakota, and it'll slope down just over the Twin Cities. I'm telling you, right over the Twin Cities, and it'll continue on and head off, I think, uh, oh, I can't remember where it goes out, maybe uh, in South Carolina somewhere uh, off the coast. And that, I mean, that will go right over the Twin Cities. I mean, we're right smack in the middle of the band to see the total solar eclipse. It will be awesome. The only thing is, I would have to live to be 134 years old. It isn't going to happen until, I'm not sure what time of the year, I think it might be September, I'm not sure, but in, in 2099. <laughs> My son will be 96 years old, assuming he lives that long. But, if he has kids, there's a good chance that his kids would be alive if and if they stay here in the Twin Cities, and why wouldn't they? But if, you know, assuming that all that happens and they're alive, they'll be able to be disappointed because it'll be cloudy that day. You're listening to Dimland Radio on the Ztalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. <clears throat> Couldn't get that out. I'll be back right after this break. Or, yeah, after this break. Committed to bringing you the best radio possible. We will test your senses with innovative and entertaining radio programming. Honest, informative, inspirational, and on occasion, controversial. Our listening audience will also have the opportunity to interact with the show hosts and guests through live chat and call-in capabilities. You can't be left out of the loop. Tune into all our live shows once and you'll never turn your computer off again. Z-Talk Radio on your computer dial. Your healthy addiction. If you don't clean up your room, the Board of Health is going to condemn it. The Board of Health doesn't even know about your room. What's more, they don't care. You know, if you keep making that face, it's going to freeze that way. Not unless you're someplace really, really cold. Actually, a lot of the warnings moms hand out are a bit exaggerated. If you don't get your blood pressure checked, you could have high blood pressure, not even know it, and you could die from a stroke. 
but she's right about that one. Fact is, high blood pressure contributes to 200,000 American deaths each year, and a third of those who have high blood pressure don't know it. If they did, it'd be simple to treat. Call the American Heart Association at 1-800-AHA-USA-1 or visit AmericanHeart.org on the web to learn more. Better still, ask your doctor to check your blood pressure. If you run without scissors, it's the least you can do. He's endlessly pushing the rock of reason up the hill of paranormal. It's Dr. Dim and you're listening to Dimland Radio on Z-Talk Radio Network. Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Val Tor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern on Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and, of course, skepticism. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Talk Radio Network. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio, the number one choice for music, sports, news, and talk radio. So keep that dial locked to ztalkradio.com. Welcome back to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Simmons. You know, statues have been in the news lately. Did you notice that? Yeah, I think you did. Uh, you know, it's interesting that, um, what was it, two weeks ago, it was all about the Russians and how they're running our president and, and all that. He's beholden to Putin and and so it was all about that. And it had been about that for quite a while. And then, about a week ago, uh, it was all about how uh, North Korea and the United States are going to get into nuclear war because the, uh, chi- our child president, our fifth grader in the Oval Office, um, is, is, is too, um, too off the cuff <laughs> with his statements. He doesn't, when he sticks to prepared statements, he does okay. Uh, still doesn't sound great, but he does okay. I mean, who would have thought? If you listen to George W. Bush, who, when he reads a prepared speech, stays on the page, doesn't go off the cuff, sounds you know, it, so, he, he, he could sound really good when he did it at the time. Now he sounds flipping brilliant as compared to the guy we got in there. And this is with prepared speeches, but the thing is... The guy we got, will he'll throw in an aside. He'll go off the cuff and he'll put in an aside that wasn't on the page, or at least that's what it seems like's happening. And anyway, so so all right, so he's at this this press conference or something. He's in with his cabinet and they're all sitting around the table. And then he just starts saying, or wherever he was, he starts saying, eh, "Fire and fury," you know that thing. Remember that? I mean, it seems like it was so long ago. Uh, fire and fury, the power that the world's ever never seen. What? What? You're threatening to nuke them? <laughs> I mean, North Korea's got maybe 15 nuclear missiles or something like that. Or 
some, not that many. We've got what thousands, and you're fight. It just and I, I oh I talked about it last week. The people that work with him must have been mortified. Said, oh God, there he goes. Oh, why is he talking? Why did you say that? Oh man. Anyway, and now this week. It's statues, and uh, the Nazis are taking over the country. Now, I know old people will say, well, Jim, that happened on Inauguration Day back in, in January, uh, I, I, I suppose, but you know, I, I was a little reluctant to let's jump on Nazis because, you know, once, once you've labeled somebody a Nazi, where else do you go? And when, when you finally have actual Nazis doing something, and they say, see, those guys are actual Nazis. But, all right, so out there in Charlotte, uh, North uh, Charlotte, Virginia, right? Is that right? Charlotte, Virginia. There was a um, well. There first, there was a, 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 a night rally with a bunch of white na uh, supremacists and Klansmen and Nazis and these 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 people that aren't thinking right uh, show up to protest that uh, that uh, they're, that the government's going to take down. Uh, I guess it's you know a statue of Robert E. Lee. And then I guess the next day there was some other rally that was that was happened, and then you know some counter protesters got involved, and it well it went crazy, and then one uh, white supremacist uh, did the terroristic mo maneuver of driving his car into a crowd and killing a person, killing Heather Hayer, I think that's how her name is pronounced, killed her, injured many others, and it's just what, you know what what, and. I don't know. It's just, and so what happens? What is what does our fifth grader in office do? He says, uh, you know, he, he starts to condemn the violence, and then he says, on many sides, on many sides. This is it twice? That's where he he's got the prepared statement in front of him, the bullet points or whatever he's he's able to read. He's got that set in front of him, and he throws off the he goes off the he had to have gone off the page on many sides. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah, I know there was counter violence and all. That. Yeah, I I know, but. It's no, it's no, it's, it's. I saw a political cartoon, an editorial cartoon that shows a. Uh, it's got a. It's got a picture. Uh, the drawing is of a of a of an American soldier, uh, holding Hitler by the by the neck of his you know, by the collar of his suit, his military uniform, and reaching back to punch him, and and, uh, you know, and then Trump is leaning in saying, "Violence on both sides." Well. <laughs> It's like, yeah, but oh god, <sighs> it's I uh, see. I don't even have words. I don't have words for it. So, so statues. Okay, I. They want it, it, it. There's a push to take down the statues of Confederate heroes from the Civil War, and I, I'm not against taking them down. Put them in museums. They shouldn't be. There shouldn't be monuments. These people. They lost after all. And and Robert E. Lee, although you know he didn't, he didn't want the country to split. He wasn't on the side. He didn't want secession. But he was loyal to his state of Virginia. And Virginia didn't want to be part of the United States anymore. So that's the state he went with. That's he. That's the side he went with. And yes, he was a slaveholder. And they say, well, George Washington had slaves and all this guy. And there was a very deep discussion on that on, on Facebook. And and you know, I pointed out that well, the greatness of, of of Washington wasn't 
you know, he lost most of the battles he was in during the American Revolution. He won the ones that were decisive, but he had a lot of help from the French, and uh, so there was that. But he gave up power, and that's one of the great things about him. And it was pointed out to me that he was a, a politician and a statesman. He was, whereas Lee was not. Lee didn't want, he was a military man, and he didn't want to be part of that. So even if he did have a chance to be offered the power of the presidency of the Confederation, uh, should, the, uh, should the Civil War have gone the way for the South, which there was a point at which it might have, I mean, if, if they could have gotten uh, Europe to come in on their side, to recognize them as a nation and say, and to intervene, uh, it, it could have gone that way. We could be two countries now on this, right here in this area uh, of the world. It, it could have happened, but the Emancipation Proclamation sort of stopped that from happening. It was a political maneuver. It was the right maneuver to make, but it was done in, in to, to keep Europe from getting involved because Europe had stopped being slaveholding for a while. And you know it was one of the things that was distasteful about their dealings with the South, but they needed the cotton, and they, they were close. They were close. So, uh, anyway, I don't know. It's just, I, I don't look at it as others are saying it's eradicating history. I don't look at it that way. Uh, and it is, I have friends that have, that have made that kind of comment. It's eradicating. This is part of our history. Yes, it is. It's part of our history. But it's, it's not eradicating it. It's correcting it. It's not, you know, these, I, I, you know in, in Germany, there aren't monuments to Rommel. You know, uh, although I guess there's a military base named for him, and there's some streets I think named for him, but there, but I I'm unaware of any statues, public statues of of Erwin Rommel, who we kind of has the reputation of being a, a good guy German guy that uh, that wasn't as evil as the rest of them as <laughs> they're painted. But you know he was a supporter of Hitler. He may not have been a member of the Nazi Party. I couldn't find whether he was or not, but. Uh, he he did support Hitler. I was finding information about that. So, you know, you look at it and say, well, there's no monuments to Rommel. It's, it's not exactly apples and oranges, but it's close. Apples and apples, whatever. But <laughs> he does have an action figure. So, you know, you got that. I, I bet you uh, General Lee probably has an action figure. Um, so I don't look at it as eradicating history. I just think it's kind of correcting it. And I don't have a problem with taking the statues down and putting them in museums and saying, well, you know, this was part of our history. We're not forgetting it. It's just that we shouldn't be enshrining these guys because of essentially what they were trying to do, which was keep slaves, which was the point. All those are always for states' rights, states' rights. I looked up some page. Uh, 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 there's a page out there, a website that... Um, talks about that, and I'll try to find the link and, and post it for you guys. But there's a page on there where it talks about, it directly talks about what was the cause of the Civil War, and they say some historians are still debating about it, whether it was slavery or it was states' rights or whatever. Well, you, if you read through that page, virtually everything on there is about slaves. It's about, it talks, it talks about the southern states didn't like the anti-slave North, and they were, they, you know, they, they tried to say some of the stuff was economic stuff, and some of, you know, other things like that, and in that nature, but it was always, even if it was a, a, a 
economic in, in their argument, it was still tied back to slavery. It just seems to me, and I'm no historian, I'm not, but it just seems to me that really it just that's what it was about. It was about the slave being able to continue to have, or the South continuing to have slaves. And you know, there's a there's a, a Dennis Prager video, a Prager University video that has a, a, a historian who uh, teaches at West Point, and so he talks about it. And I I think you know I agree with him, so I think it's right on, <laughs> obviously because I agree with him, but. Uh, I'll link to it so you can check it out. I think it's one of the times that Prager University videos gets gets it right, and he talks about that. Yeah, it's about it's about slavery. That's what this. That's why the Civil War happened, and and he says, um, you know, the people that argue for the states' rights. He says, well, that obviously lends the next leads to the question of states' rights to do what? Well, to keep slaves. Well, there you go. <laughs> so. Um, I mean, there might be other aspects of states' rights that, that people could point to, but really, the biggest reasons are slavery, at least as far as I've been able to ascertain. And again, I'm not a historian, but that's how it looks to me. But speaking of statues, i got a couple minutes here. Um, this is a, kind of an old story. This is from last year, August of 2016 of this story, but I, I spotted it on the, on the Facebook. Somebody shared it around, and it has to do with art, and it has to do with statues. Uh, out in New York, in um, far west, during, far western New York, um, there's a town called Celeron, which is most famous for uh, one of its residents, and that was Lucille Ball. She grew up there. And back in 2009, a statue uh, in, in her honor was um, was uh, uh, unveiled in a public park. Uh, Non-taxpayer money went for it, uh, I, as, as I understand it, and they hired an artist to create a, a statue of Lucy, and uh, it's it's uh, it's rather bad. <laughs> what they got was really bad. It's just, I don't want to denigrate the artist, but it, it, because the other statues that this artist has done, if you go to his website, and I'll link to it, his name is uh, Dave Paulin, uh, Paulin, Dave Paulin. Um, he's done other statues of human figures, children, he's done animals, you know, and, and they're a little stylized, a little primitive, a little bit, um, but they're not bad. I mean, for what he, for what they're being used for, they're not bad. But what you'll notice when you go to his page, he does not have a uh, uh, a gallery of statues that are of famous people, where he's showing he has an ability to capture the likenesses of famous people or of any people. The people that he makes are kind of generic, a little simplified. They're not quite right. The anatomy isn't quite right, but they're still really nice statues for, for you know, for at a playground, outside of a school. You know, they're they're not bad. You know, he's he's talented, but he just his ability to capture the likenesses, the likeness of someone. He doesn't have that, and you'll see that when you go to his website. He doesn't have statues of famous people. 
you know, he, he didn't do a Robert E. Lee statue. He didn't do a Lincoln statue. He didn't do, he, he doesn't show any of those kinds of things. So they picked, for some reason, they picked this guy to do a statue of Lucille Ball, and it looks nothing like her. And it's trying to be, uh, to remind us, uh, uh, it, well, it's taken of her from, from the, um, the, the, the classic bit on her show where she does a live commercial where she keeps drinking this, this uh, snake oil uh, revitalization medicine, uh, Vitamita Vegemin. And, and it's got a lot of alcohol in it, and she keeps you know, screw, you know, screwing up, but she keeps doing it over and over, and until finally she's, she's snockered, and she goes live on TV, and she's drunk and delivering the lines. You know, the line is supposed to be, uh, are you unpopular? Do you poop out at parties? But she says, are you unpopular? Do you poop, do pop out at parties? You know, and it's all funny in 1950s TV. But it, that's, that's what she's, the pose is supposed to remind us of that, because she's got the bottle in one hand and the spoon in the other. And it, I'm telling you, it looks nothing like her. In fact, the townspeople took to, carry, uh, to calling that statue Scary Lucy. Well, last summer, is it not, okay, before, before I get to that, uh, the, the townspeople, the city officials or whatever, they approached the artist who did that saying, you know, can you fix this? <laughs> can you make this look like Lucy? And, and if I read an article, I'll link to it. You'll be kind of confused by it, too, because the article says that he was going to do it for free, but then it also says that he wanted to charge $10,000 to, to fix it. I can only imagine what he got paid to make it. And, and he does say in there that he, it, it's, he, he felt pretty bad about it. After a while, I, he must have thought about it for a while. and said, well, I'm not even going to charge him to fix it because it's, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't have cast it into bronze. Before that, I mean, who looked at that before he cast it in a bronze? Here's here's my mock-up or whatever they do before they put. You know, here, look. What do you think? Do you think it's good? Did, did somebody had the. Didn't somebody sign off on it at that point? They would say, "Geez, you know, it doesn't look anything like Lucy." <laughs> so. Um, what they ended up doing was they commissioned another artist. Uh, let's see. I hope I wrote her name down. Uh, did he, did he, um, Caroline Palmer, or Carolyn Palmer. Uh, they, they commissioned her to do a statue. And it is lovely. It was unveiled last summer in August. It looks just like Lucy from the I Love Lucy program. The hair looks right. The... The, the, the clothes look right, the posture, the, the expression on her face, it captures the character, it captures her personality. It's brilliant. Why they didn't go with her in the first place, I don't know. And again, it's not to say that this other artist isn't any good. It's just that you know, he, he just obviously cannot do likenesses. He just can't. I mean, there's some kinds of art that I just don't have the ability or or the patience to do. I could never do lettering. Hand lettering, I've always kind of sucked at that. I mean, real precise, precisely lettered stuff. I mean, there are people that can do that kind of precise work. I can't. I just don't have the patience for it, and it's just not something I can do. So I don't do it, and that's, you know, because I understand my limitations as an artist. And I also understand I should go to another break. You're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I shall return after this break. I promise.
Listen to Z Talk Radio on ZTalkRadio.com. This is Chicago-style hot dog here. I'm not feeling too good. Turns out, along with all the other bad things my cholesterol does, they say it's a risk factor for strokes. Strokes? Sheesh! Good news from National Stroke Association. Exercising, eating right, and asking your doctor about medicines that can help lower your cholesterol, like statins, may reduce the risk of a first stroke. And if you've already had a stroke, it's even more important you lower your cholesterol. Lower your chances of stroke by controlling your cholesterol. Visit stroke.org today. Don't just take my word for it, but you are listening to Dimland Radio on Z-Talk Radio Network. Did you see that UFO sighting that made the news? What did that latest study about alternative treatments really say? Is this photo making the rounds real or a hoax? Delphal News is a unique website featuring news about pseudoscience, the paranormal, anomalies, and questionable claims framed with a skeptical view. Come visit doubtfulnews.com every day for news about cryptozoology, conspiracies, shams, scams, and more. Follow us on Twitter at Doubtful News. Critical thinking is essential in assessing today's news. Doubtful News helps you decide, can you really believe this stuff? Hey, this is Danny Potts from the Kentucky Ghost Chasers, and you're listening to Z-Talk Radio. Dimland Radio Pedantic Moment. What did they get wrong this time, Dim? Well, I'll tell you what they got wrong this time, and who got it wrong. And it's more than what you might think. Uh, you should know I, 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 I can't go along without talking about my favorite band, The Who. I, I don't know why, and, and, I, and I, I mean... I, I know it might get a little annoying and tiring, but I just I find myself becoming more obsessed with these guys at times, and you know it, it's it's it ebbs and flows. And lately, I've been just really I don't know maybe I've just been feeling nostalgic or something. But um, I got a call at work uh, last week by a friend of mine who said that uh, um, you know he asked me if I had listened to the at that point the latest. Penn Jillette podcast, Penn's Sunday School, Penn Jillette's podcast, and I hadn't yet. And he says, "Oh, this one's up your alley. This one's this one's right up your alley. This is right. You know, you're going to be, you're right on with this one." So, oh, okay, yeah, well, good. So when I did listen to it, uh, Penn talks about seeing the Who in Las Vegas just recently, you know, with Roger Daltrey and Pete Townsend, the only original members left, and he talked about. Um, his impressions of it, uh, how, you know, he talked about nostalgia and how nostalgia used to be uh, uh, used to mean kind of bad. It was a bad kind of thing. Uh, uh, 
remaining in the past, that kind of thing. It's, and he said somewhere in the mid-20th century or so, nostalgia started to mean uh, uh, something positive, or more of a wistful looking back at our youth and, and, and the simpler days or you know, whatever, however he put it. And even though the days weren't simpler. I mean, we're living in interesting times right now, but I think we're always living in interesting times. But he started out his talk thus. <clears throat> we'll be fighting in the street with our children at our feet, and the morals that we worshipped will be gone, and the men who spurred us on will sit in judgment of our wrongs. We decide, and the shotgun sings the song. I tip my hat to the new Constitution, take a bow to the new revolution, smile and grin at the pain all around, then I then pick up my guitar and play just like yesterday, and I get on my knees and pray we won't get fooled again. Now, if you are a scholar of the who, and I'm not saying that I am, but I'm kind of on the, the spectrum, <laughs> you will have been saying, uh, no, n no, several times throughout that. Now, first, I got to say this. Pendulet is, is completely able to admit that he gets things wrong, and he says it all the time. He says, I, you know, if you're hearing me say some facts on this show, they're probably wrong. He says that often. So he's, he's just, he, he's, he's, He's at least cognizant of that. All right? There are incorrect lyrics in here. This is, you know, I even looked it up to, to confirm it, and I listened to the song, and I'll have a little bit more about it, but okay. The actual words are, we'll be fighting in the street. Could be streets, because it's hard to say for sure what Roger says in that song. I listened to it several times, and I can't quite figure it out. But some of the lyrics websites, they have lyrics, they say streets. We'll be fighting in the streets. So I'll give Penn a pass on that one. We'll be fighting in the street with our children at our feet. And the morals that they worshipped will be gone. Not we worshipped, they worshipped will be gone. And the men who spurred us on sit in judgment of all wrong not our wrongs all wrong they uh, they decide not we decide and the shotgun sings the song i tip my hat to the new constitution take a bow to the new revolution smile and grin at the change all around penn said pain all around i hope i said read it that way when i first read it then pick uh, pick up my I don't think there's a, zen, a then in there. It's just pick up my guitar and play just like yesterday. And I get on my knees and pray we don't get fooled again. The song is called "Won't Get Fooled Again." In case I didn't say that, it should be obvious. It's the Who's major anthem song. It ends every one of their shows. Uh, it's it's just it's a great great song with the cool synthesizer intro and break in the middle and it's just it's a long song it's like it's not the break isn't even in the middle it's toward the end of the song and it's just great it's just it's just great uh not as great as baba o'reilly i like that song a little bit better that's my favorite who song but um 
interesting thing about the song Won't Get Fooled Again is they never say won't get fooled again in the song. They say don't. We don't get fooled again. That's what they say in the song. Why it's that way? I don't know. Why is, is quadrophenia called quadrophenia when it's a play on the, the name of the disease of uh, schizophrenia? Schizophrenia. Why isn't it quadrophrenia? I don't know. <laughs> it's just, it's just, that's, that's quadrophenia. I, I, I don't know. I could, I, I don't have Pete's number. I can't call him up and ask him. <clears throat> he, but the only thing is, not to pile on Penn too much, as I said, he admits when he gets things wrong. He doesn't have a problem with that. And, and I tried to be that guy too, to admit when I get things wrong. And if somebody points it out, you got this wrong, I'll, I'll fix it. I'll say, hey, I got this wrong. Yeah, and, and, and I'll try to do that. I mean, we don't like admitting that we're wrong ever, you know, any, at any time, but it's a, it's a sign of growth. So, you know, so I try, and I should point out that in the lines, I tip my hat to the new Constitution, take a bow to the new revolution. I always thought it was take a vow, an oath, to the new revolution. I didn't think it was bow. I, always, I don't know why. I always thought that's take a vow. And I think it was take a vow for the new revolution. Take a vow for the new revolution, not take a bow for or to the new revolution. I, you know, but I found the lyrics online. It's take a bow. So, huh? Right, so I apparently am wrong there. I listened to it. I can't, I have a hard time just, just determining which it is. And again, I don't have Pete's phone number, so I can't call him up and ask him. And then the next line, smile and grin at the change all around. I always thought it was smiling green. Because if you listen to it, it, isn't, it doesn't sound like grin so much. It just sounds more like green. Smiling green at the change all around. Smiling green, meaning naive to the change all around. Pick up my guitar and play, just like yesterday. And I get on my knees and pray. We don't get fooled again. So I was wrong too. <laughs> So there's, there's your pedantic moment for this week. Okay, I'll, I'll move away from the who uh, for now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, you should know that the clickbait sites can be kind of deceptive. What? No. Yeah, they can. And there's one out there called women.com. No, hang on. Don't think I'm throwing down on the patriarchy side. I don't know what women.com is in general what their website's all about other than I assume about women but for some reason they put out these quizzes they show up on Facebook and they give these headlines like if you can get 10 of you know uh, history teachers can't get 10 out of 15 on this quiz you know it's like, oh challenging oh I can do that you know most people eight ninety percent of the people can't get a hundred percent on this one. Oh well I'm smarter than 90 percent of the people you know, we all think we're smarter than average, better looking than average, better than average. We just tend to think of that of ourselves. We can't all be. We can't. <laughs> uh, but I went to one of these. It was um, it was a, a, a it was a history one. And um, let me see. I got I got the I wrote it down here in a couple pages back because I meant to get to this a few times ways ago. Was it last week? Okay, okay. There was a, there was a quiz that had two answers on there that I just had to guess. You get multiple choice for the answers. And I just had to guess on them. 
One was, what was the last uh, uh, ruling dynasty in China? And you had, you had three choices. You had Ming, Ling, or, or Qing. And I, I didn't figure it was Ming, because I thought Ming was a much older one. So I figured there was, so I took that one out. Then I had a choice between Ling and Qing, so I went with Ling. And then there was another one, which was uh, which, uh, which nation uh, declared its, in, or gained its independence in 1951? Was it Libya, Algeria, or the Democratic Republic of Congo? Well, I guess Democratic Republic of Congo. And I got through the, you know, everything else in there, I pretty much knew the answer to. It's, it's, yeah, I know that, I know that, I know that. And I got through, and I got 100%. I shared it, and hey, I got 100%. And then I saw somebody comment on another one, on that same one somewhere else. And it said, these, everybody seems to get 100% on this. They must, you know, I don't know what, they, the person was saying, I don't know what women.com gets out of this, but everybody seems to get 100%. So I did an experiment. I went through and I purposefully, I looked up the answers to those two questions, to which dynasty it was, and to what country got its independence in 1951. And I learned that it was the Qing dynasty. That was the last dynasty in China. I got the wrong one. And I learned that it was, uh, uh, it was Libya that got its independence in 1951. The Democratic Republic of Congo got its independence in 1960. So I learned, oh, that's wrong. I got those answers wrong. So I went through purposefully getting answers wrong. I made sure I knew what all the correct answers were and I would go through one at a time and I get, uh, I'd start by getting two answers wrong and then I'd do three answers wrong. Then I'd do four, five, six. I got as many as six answers wrong. I think by the time I got to seven, that's when the quiz said, oh, well, you're not so good. But every time up until then, 100%. 100%. So, the quizzes from women.com is bullshit. Okay, it's bullshit. Okay, cool. Three cool things for the last week. They all have to do with the with the nastiness that took place in Virginia last weekend. Uh, it's it number three, and it's the reactions. Number three. Um, oh shoot, I'm on the wrong page. <laughs> number three was Tina Fey's uh, uh, Saturday Night Live during the weekend update desk thing, where she uh, she ate cake. And and she's in, in talking about how to respond to these these impending rallies that the Nazis are going to have around the country. That essentially she was saying, and she handled it humorously, uh, but very well. She said, you know, really the best thing that we can do is just eat cake. Don't even go. Don't even just let them have their rally. Let them yell and don't even don't even go. Uh, the other thing that was cool, uh, number two, was Seth Meyers, who is my favorite of the current late night talk show hosts. He doesn't. He doesn't dance. He 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 starts his show at his desk. He does his thing. That's like the Saturday Night Live, uh, the Weekend Update desk, which he did on that for quite a while with uh, Amy Poehler, I think, um, uh, or was it Tina? Fe anyway, he worked with them, and that was. I mean, he's great at it. So he brings that to his late night show, and I think it's great. He delivered, not for comedy. He delivered an, a scathing critic criticism of our fifth grader in the Oval Office. And his on many sides, on many sides, this that bullshit. And it's it was wonderful. I'll try to find a clip for it. That must be out there somewhere so you can see it. It's a, he he lays it out and he says, you know, even though Trump came along a couple days later and said the right things, it was too late. You already showed yourself when that with that on many sides bullshit. 
so that's number two. And number one is the 5,000 people that showed up at the University of Virginia for the candlelight vigil to honor um, the woman who died from being hit by the car by the, uh, the white supremacist terrorist. And the two state troopers who crashed in a helicopter while observing all this nonsense that was going on, uh, they lost their lives. And it was, they sang and they, they, they came together. Um, it, was, it seemed like a pretty diverse crowd to me, but it, it, was, it was good to see. It was just great to see it. It was wonderful. Uh, it was, I thought it was cool. So I hope you've had at least, at least three cool things happen this week. And if you are headed to see the eclipse, take a good look at it for us up here in the upper Midwest, because we ain't going to see nothing but clouds. Good night, Adolfo. Good night, Frau Blucher. Yeah, that bring me, brings me, sorry, <laughs> to another show. And uh, thanks for listening. You be skeptical. Remember, you can subscribe to this on iTunes. Please rate and review. Give me a good rating. Give me a good review. Why not? Can't hurt. You've been listening to Dimland Radio on the Talk Radio Network. Uh, this is your host, Jim. Dr. Jim Fitzsimmons reminding you all to, what is it now? Oh, yeah, sleep with the lights off. check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission. Production of the Z Talk Radio Network. And now a message to our competitors. Thanks. Thanks for tuning us in. What did you think of tonight's installment of Dimland Radio? Wow. Wow. Well, well I'm going to hell. hell.